good good morning, uh, Lena. Um, thank you so much for joining us uh, here to ANZ team. Uh, we'll be team will be delighted to hear and learn from you. This is the series called Heart to Heart Leadership Series. We, we interact with various leaders and what it could have been much be, you know, better you have with us uh, here. So next half an hour, few just chats, questions, and just to really get to know you a little bit more. Yeah, so that will like be- Like to be here, Anish. And uh, isn't it good night? It's a, it's a, yeah, it's a good evening. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, so good it's about evening there already. Yes. So good evening to all of you and delighted to be here. Yeah, so Rachel, Rachel is a part of our HR team and myself, we will really uh, play tag team. Uh, Rachel is the captain of uh, interview here and, and I'll be uh, playing uh, uh, here, supporting her uh, as well. To start off, maybe start with a big number. <clears throat> and Lena, I have, I have a privilege to know you, but 28 years in Unilever um, and, and and you you are the CHR of a big, big organization. What has kept you here and how did you get here? Ah, the two big questions. Uh, what has kept me here? And I was on in my 28 years, there have been possibly two times that I have felt like quitting. One was because I had a really, really terrible boss and I didn't feel like I was bringing my best self. And once was when I felt, oh, my God, this is too much. I have young kids. I have a thriving career. My husband's busy. Can I manage it all? But other than that, in 28 years, I've never had a moment of hesitation in Unilever. And there are three reasons why I have stuck with Unilever so many years. One is the sense of purpose and values this company has. Everyone who works for this company wants to make a difference to the world. And the sense of values of, you know, respecting each other, being there for each other, valuing human civility, you know, just being good to each other, being nice, being compassionate. So I love the values and purpose of Unilever. I love that we stand for sustainable, making sustainable living commonplace. The second reason is our brands. I absolutely love our brands. You know, it's fabulous. I mean, it's hard to pick a favorite brand. Dove, Ben and & Jerry, Hellman's, and so on and so forth. It's just so hard because all our brands stand for such meaning and power in the world. I just love our brands. You know, I get really mad if the kids are eating an ice cream that's not Unilever. I get hysterical if somebody buys a tea that's not Unilever into the house. So I just love our brands and what they stand, the difference they make to consumers everywhere. The difference it makes to me, my cup of tea or waking up in the morning to Unilever brands and products. And last but not the least, the quality of people. The Every single day, I meet such inspiring people in Unilever. You know, ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Just a few days ago, Ritwa and I were sitting and going through 850 stories of heroes to select the eight or 10 for this year. Remember, we have heroes with impact every year. And I tell you, those stories make you cry. It was hard to select eight or 10. We were struggling because there were so many fabulous stories of people who've gone way beyond the call of duty to support each other during COVID. And that's what makes Unilever so special, the quality of our people. Anyone and everyone who's quit Unilever tells me that the thing they missed the most about Unilever 
is the quality of people they used to interact with in Unilever. You know, good people, smart, but also good at heart. And it's that sort of quality of people that gets me going. Every single day I have inspiration. I don't have to look far. Every single day I get to meet people like you, Rachel, the wide, wider Unilever world. And there's so much inspiration in each of those stories. So our purpose, our brands, and our people is what's kept me here for 28 years. And of course, it helps to have good bosses along the way and some nice challenging things to do. Yeah. Very good. And my second part of the question of CHRO of Unilever. Oh, yes. What has got... You know, I really don't know how these years flew. I mean, I have to keep kidding myself that I'm, I'm not yet old because my children perennially call me old. So I have to keep saying, no, 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 it's just 28 years. It's flown really quickly. I think what's got me here is a deep sense of belief in the capability of Unilever's people. And in everything I have done, I have really believed that pioneering stuff is possible. What's got me here is a very relentless, gritty optimism. I call it gritty optimism because it's not general optimism. It's optimism knowing the reality, knowing the difficulties, but keeping the faith that good things will happen, that we can shift the needle, we can make big things happen. And, uh, you know, a huge sense of service for Unilever's people. I mean, You've known me forever. I mean, I can spend hours and hours and hours talking to people. Even during COVID, I ensure that every day I have at least four or five connects where I'm talking to people for 10, 15, 20 minutes, but just checking in with them, finding out what's going on. So it's the sense of feeling a deep sense of responsibility and service for Unilever's people. Yeah. But I would say that I've always been open to taking risks. I've never thought too much. I've jumped in, put up my hand for difficult assignments, put up my hand for all the grassroots roles. I've run production in a factory. I've done employee relations in three factories. I know how to make soap. I've done sales. I've, you know, so really putting your hand up for all the grassroots roles and knowing how the business makes money, how the business sells, what are the growth drivers. So knowing the business really well, knowing the people really well, feeling a huge sense of service towards Unilever's business, Unilever's people, is what's kept me going. And being able to take some risks and have that pioneering, gritty optimism take me through. So look, uh, as I say that I have worked with you and I have had the privilege, you are the one who recruited me in this company. So, so um, I know that what you're really talking about, deep respect for people and really giving the belief in them. So you, what do you, in, I'm just really taking this thread a little, little further, is that what do you wish people knew about HR? Ah, that's a great question because human resources as a function has just exploded in the last 28 years that I've been in this profession. You know, I trained to be an electronics and telecommunications engineer. I worked as a telecom engineer. I was a lousy engineer for about a few months and my heart was just not in it. And I talked to my mentor and I'm a big believer of having great mentors who give you great advice. My mentor from my engineering school told me, listen, you're going to make an average engineer, but I think you'll make a damn good HR person. And I signed up to do human resources, one of the best institutes in the country. 
And I remember going to my father and telling him that I was going to do human resources. And he was so disappointed. It wasn't even called human resources, it was called personnel. And he said, who does personnel? It's a back office function. Who cares about what happens in personnel? You're a bright engineer. The world is your oyster. And I was so crushed. I thought, no, but this is what I'm passionate about and I'm going to do it. And thank God I did it because I found my purpose. I found my passion. I found my heart. And uh, it's been no looking back for 28 years. So it's a common misconception. People really don't know what happens in HR. But let me tell you a very simple way of uh, helping people understand. See, everybody understands strategy and execution. Yeah? A business needs to create a great strategy and then really execute it well. A great strategy is easy. You know the facts and figures, you know where the opportunities are, you know where the consumers are shifting. You can think of some of the big bets you want to make. We know that organizations stumble in execution. You can have the same strategy as five other companies, but one of the companies that executes well will succeed. Now, what are the levers of execution? The two big levers of execution, money and people. Yeah, Money, easy to understand. We can make the big bets. We can see where we want to put the money. People, highly complex. Do you have the right people? In the, with the right skills at the right time, the right leadership? Are you measuring them for the right things? Are you giving them the right incentives? All those levers that drive execution actually sit in HR. Are you helping put the right leaders in place? Are you recruiting the right people with the right skills and mindset and capabilities? Are you ensuring that there's capacity to do all the growth bets we are talking about? Are you measuring and incentivizing people? What sort of reward and recognition programs are in place? What's the culture? What's the mindset? So if I simplify it, the capacity, capability and culture needed to drive execution, all those levers sit within HR. So HR can be a function that truly enables growth, that allows a business to make its strategic intent. Lots of businesses have strategic intent. I want to grow by X percent. I want to grow market share by Y percent. I want to go and, you know, make a particular skin hygiene very big. But it's the execution choices, a large number of it that sits in HR, that allows for that strategic intent to be translated into reality. So it's only grown in importance, the function. And as human beings get more important, things like what is the purpose and meaningful work we're giving people becomes important. Things like mental well-being. I mean, we just referred to it. After the, after the human crisis of COVID is going to come the crisis of mental well-being because people are feeling depressed, anxious, lonely, isolated, physically worried. So it's physically anxious, all of that is coming. So mental well-being. So as people realize that the world needs to be much more people-centered, the work that HR needs to do gets even more relevant because you've got to look after people, the most important asset for a company, their health, their well-being, their sense of purpose, their sense of belonging. Are they feeling included? All these things become hugely important in the context. And in HR, we also have to worry about jobs, about wages. How are we creating jobs in the countries we are in? How are we creating employability? How are we standing up for inclusion? Because more and more society is intolerant of uh, uh, being, uh, you know, of forgetting about inclusion. We, we see all the movements, hashtag Black Lives Matter. 
We're seeing all of that come to bear because inclusion and belonging has become so important. And HR plays a huge role in ensuring the culture of a company is focused around its people, around the health, well-being, safety of our people. And I feel so pleased when I see how we all led during COVID. Every leader put their people first. Health, well-being and safety of people was the most important thing. Every ULE meeting would start with people. What are we doing about the health, well-being and safety of people? Every crisis team meeting, our global IMT started with people and what are we doing about taking care of people? And you can see that people have responded to it because we've seen absolutely stunning scores across on our univoice, including ANZ having some really, really good scores on engagement, on pride, on feeling that the line leaders are looking after them. The trust in leadership has gone up significantly. Very good. Maybe I'll pass it on to Rachel. Awesome. Thanks, Anish. Look, Lena, it sounds like you've had such an amazing career. And with, with HR, you talk about execution choices, jobs, well-being, inclusion, and particularly the importance of our people. One question comes to mind for me is, how do you describe your job to your kids? When they say, <laughs> what, what does, what does mum do every day and um, yeah. as, as a CHRO? <laughs> now they're 18 and 21, so they think they should be telling me how to do my job. <laughs> so it's a different. But yes, you know, my purpose is to ignite the human spark, to build a better business and a better world. And what's the spark? The spark is really the spark of goodness, the spark that's a force for good in all of us. And the way I describe it to them, and I describe to my broader family, is I strive every day to ensure that everyone comes to work at Unilever, bringing the absolute best version of themselves. You know, the, the difference between people whose uh, spark has been ignited, you know, is that they are unstoppable. You see people sometimes they are, you know, lost energy in their jobs. They, they're sort of doing it because, yes, I have to do this. And then you see them transformed at times when their eyes are shining, when they're describing a passion project, when they're saying, I'm going to make a difference. You can see the relentlessness of their energy, how magical and how unstoppable that is when people feel they're doing things that make their heart sing. And I really see my job as and my personal purpose to support as many people as is possible in Unilever and the broader world to ignite that sense of magic within them, that sense of, you know, igniting that force for good within them, where they just become extraordinary and unstoppable. So, yes, so making people, ordinary people into extraordinary achievers, extraordinary magical people is what gets me out of bed. And that's how I try and describe my job to my kids, who, of course, like all kids, make fun of me. Uh, say, mom, your job, you know, they're all excited about your job. What difference does it make, etc.? So they're always making fun of me. It's fantastic to hear in terms of the that imagery you talk about in the human spark and making people the best version of, of themselves and allowing them to be the best version of themselves. What comes to mind for me is is learning and development and yes. and being able to to work on things that we're really passionate about and and yeah. constantly grow and develop. One one of the things I've heard you talk about is speaking multiple languages and 
uh, that you're you're learning Spanish along with your yeah. I think it was four other languages. And so what role does say learning something new uh, at play in, in your life and, and yeah. in your role? Ah, oh, that's such a great question, Rachel. You know, if I look back on my career of 28 years, one of the things that has been a hallmark of my leadership style has been learning agility, you know, constantly being up for learning. And I'm so glad you're doing the job you're doing because that's, that is magical, seeing people transform through growing their skills, growing their leadership. So, uh, so I, hashtag I learn every day is sort of a life principle. I speak to young people all the time, all the time when I'm asked about, okay, career advice. One of the things I always speak about is learn. Every day you can learn something new. You can learn from a peer. You can learn from a, somebody who reports to you. You can learn from your broader team member. You can learn from your family, but be curious and aggressive about learning. In fact, curiosity is one of the biggest indicators of future potential of leadership for a person. Yeah, And increasingly, headhunters and others are keeping an eye for who are the curious people in their vicinity. So one of the things I've done, uh, you know, my diary always has 20% or 30% of my time focused on learning from others. Early in my career, it meant I had to go to external forums and webinars and learn. Now it's much easier. I just, um, you know, call up an author that I've liked and say, hey, would you like to come and have a cup of coffee with me? And they normally do. They like Unilever and they like to come and spend time with you and tell you what they're doing. Or if you if I feel like uh, having a cup of coffee, I look at the top teams of Nestle or Pepsi or, you know, whoever is in the fray. And I say, hey, I'm the CHR of Unilever. Would you like to have coffee? And talent comes across to come and have a chat. So so it's become much easier today for me to gather external insights. But one of the things I've tried to do is learn something new in my personal life every year. So it's been Spanish right through COVID. Yo, yo hablo un poco de español. So I can speak a little bit of Spanish now. I can do a little bit of, uh, uh, you know, having a conversation. And I don't want to stop. I want to make sure I'm really fluent in Spanish. And uh, I've already decided next year. Next year, I'm learning golf. I'm really bad at it, so it's going to be the beginning. I also have a secret desire to learn driving next year. I have regularly failed in my driving test, and I'd given up. And I'd said, this isn't worth it. I'm not going to learn to drive. Maybe I don't have the spatial intelligence needed to drive. I had just sort of convinced myself that I don't need to do any driving. And thanks to COVID, taking public transport is becoming increasingly difficult. So next year, the more public goal is going to be golf and the private goal is going to be driving. And I can tell you now, my boys have learned to drive and I haven't. So it's such a family joke that I really am determined to get my driving sorted. Sometimes failure is the best type of learning as well. It's those times where you you have to try something multiple times that you really get that sense of success. So that that's a those are some great goals for next year. And something um, that that I thought of as you were talking, as you um, mentioned hashtags, was hashtag Learn with Lena. And yeah. you know, podcast is a one way of learning and there's so many types of learnings out there at, at Unilever. We have one, the wonderful degreed, but we have learned from others as you were talking about learning from from authors or, or over a coffee mentors and, and mentees. And um, is there a specific type of way you love to learn or a, a source or platform you particularly like to use? 
Yeah, of course, degreed. I use a lot of degreed. Uh, and, uh, you know, I recommend to everyone to use a lot of degreed. And I'm so glad you're putting all of this on degreed. Uh, but, you know, I do think I like uh, I like audio. So podcasts are one way, especially while doing exercise. I love going for long walks and listening to podcasts more than listening to music because somehow music makes me feel like I want to dance and podcast makes me want to feel like I want to learn. Yes, I love dancing as well. And it's among my things that I was learning last year. So um, I that's one thing. So listening to podcasts is a lovely way I want to learn. I had somehow lost the ability to read. Sitting with a book for two or three hours was becoming hard for me with, you know, time pressures, etc. But this again, during COVID time, I've had the opportunity to read. So a bit of reading, a bit of listening on podcasts are some of my favorite ways of learning. But to be honest, the biggest way I still learn is talking to people. Somehow I gain more insights from what is said, what is not said from talking to groups of people because it somehow sings to my heart when I'm with a group of people or with I, when I'm sitting and chatting with you, for example. It really sings to me. And and Unilever has such, so so many great people you can learn yes. from, and yes. you know cross mentoring and there's so much out there. You you mentioned reading and uh, and meeting up with authors. I might um, ask for a a recommendation. Any books you've read recently you can recommend? You know um, I've been trying to read fiction because I haven't read in a long time. But I, um, you know, I was reading yesterday a book called Winning from Within by Erica Fox. And it's quite interesting. It talks about, uh, you know, all of us have a dreamer, a lover, a warrior and a thinker inside of us. We all can dream, we can, but using it in the right combination is what gets us to be more successful as leaders. So I found that quite fascinating. And I read that like two days ago. It's a really, really good book. She has some great um, information on negotiation as well. She yes. is so fascinating. Uh, we'll definitely have to put that on our list for the ANZ yes. book club. You know, it's from what she says is we have to negotiate our inner self. Mm. Remember the time you have a meeting and you, your inner critic is going, this is going to be horrible. You haven't prepared enough. You're going to do a lousy job. And you start losing your confidence. Well, she says it's because your inner dreamer is not strong enough at that point. And it's your inner thinker who's looking at all the facts and the risks and telling you it's all going to be terrible. So you negotiate between your inner critic. Can you believe that? So that's how you sort of get your head in a good place to go in and handle a difficult meeting or a difficult conversation. So I found that quite interesting and I read it very recently. Yeah, fantastic. Well, thank you. I could talk about learning and development uh, all day. I, I'll throw to Anish. Uh, yes. Have you got some more questions? Yes. Anish is a mute. Okay. I don't hear full day this one. Or this this one comes up. You're on mute. Um, you may mean nowadays. Um, thank you, Lena. I think um, I'm conscious of time. Um, Let's do one last question. 
I'm switching gear. And what are you most excited about 2020 and, and also for leading into 2021? Yes. You know, it's been a very, very difficult year for all of us. You know, and when I look back the last six, seven months, uh, the continuous pressure all of us have had, you know, our 90,000 manufacturing people going to work every day, making sure all their safety protocols are in place and we're taking care of all our people. You know, we've had seven and a half thousand people within Unilever get COVID. We have lost 48 of our colleagues to COVID. Those who work for us, those who are part of the contracts teams that work for us. So it's been a very, very, very difficult year for many, many of us. We've seen bereavement, we've seen illness, we've seen critical cases, we've seen, you know, different governments respond differently and the pressures that's put on Unilever. So it's been a difficult year. But the one thing I'm really, really happy about is the way the business, the way our supply chain, the way our people have shown extraordinary resilience and agility. I mean, they're fabulous examples, how we've created sanitizer capacity, 750 times greater than what we have today. How we've rolled out Lifebuoy in 52 markets in the speed of weeks. How we've taken Domestos to 10 markets in the in, in a few days. So the way we have responded with agility, with resilience, the way our supply chain has responded, the way our all our products have got made, they've got shipped, they've got they've reached where they're meant to reach. The way our leaders have responded with agility, resilience, reaching out to their teams. On a, on every day, we have like 80 town halls in Unilever happening. You know, So some leader somewhere is talking to their team and reassuring them and taking them forward. The way we've put people at the heart of everything we've done. When we think of easement, we first think about people. Sentiment survey, who wants to come, who doesn't want to come, how do we support? So there are actually two things that I'm really, really proud of and excited about. The way we've shown agility and resilience during this time, and how do we take that into 2021? Because we can't forget that. We can't, you know, lose our muscles. We've got to take it into next year. And the second is how we've put our people first in everything we've done. Because when you care for your people, your people will care for the business. Yeah. So that's how I see the reflections for 2020. And that's why I'm excited about 2021, because if we take this agility, this resilience, this people first spirit, then I'm pretty sure we'll have a good 2021 too. Yeah. If we keep up this agility, resilience, being able to flex people, being able to uh, be able to flex everything, you know, the agility of our supply chain, the agility of our people, if we can keep all of that going into next year, then and put people first in everything we do, we'll have a good 2021 too. Nice, nice. And you're meant to be here, maybe this is the last one, is you're meant to be here just before pandemic really broke. Um, yeah. Any any, any advice, last words to us in ANZ? I can't wait to be there. I can't wait to be there because this was the trip that was planned in early April and by middle of March, we we didn't know what had hit us. We were all at home. So I'm still excited and I have promised that whenever the world becomes normal from its current upside down status, ANZ will be the first place I get to. I really want to do that. You know, my, my I have seen some great stuff out of ANZ. You know, I've seen all of your Univoice scores. People are engaged, people are proud. 
you've really put people first in everything you've responded in. I really like to see that. I'm happy to see the growth in the business. And that should give all of you some confidence that you can grow. I'm happy to see how you're pioneering stuff for Unilever, like the work you're doing with UniOps and partnering with Genpack and ensuring that you're creating an operational machine that's efficient and agile. So I, I, I really see ANZ stepping up on growth, stepping up on its people motivation and engagement, and stepping up on pioneering more things for Unilever. And I really, really want you to keep that spirit and uh, keep that sentiment as you go into 2021. I regularly follow you on Instagram, so I know everything you're up to, the new activities you're up to. I read the profiles of your people. So make sure you are letting us internally and the world know all the good stuff that you're doing. But, you know, best wishes for a great finish to 2020 and an absolutely stunning start to 2021. Oh, that's such a kind word. Uh, so thank you so much. We'll 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 take that, and I will be pleased with that as well. So thank you so much for your time, and 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 giving your um, wisdom and and sharing your stories. It, it, it is gold. So thank you. Really appreciate it. Really delighted to be here, Anish. Thank you so much for inviting me. Okay.